ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Anes Wamboye, and today we're continuing our series on Your Sin Will Find You Out. I don't know how the series has been for you, but I hope it's been of great impact on you so that you could contemplate on the effect of sin and on its effect on our lives and how our sin, like we say, is like a boomerang. You throw it, be sure it will trace a path back to you. And if you're not careful, it will have its impact in an unexpected way. There are times our sin does find us out and we did expect it, but there are times when we think that we'll escape it, but then it comes back at us. And we look at this from Numbers 32-23, where Moses commanded the Gibeonites to be faithful um, not, not the Gibeonites, when Moses commanded the children of Israel to be faithful to their brothers by telling them um, to honor the conquering of the promised land and to honor what their brothers were going through because uh, they needed to do the work of the Lord together. And the children of Israel promised to help their brothers. But then uh, Moses warns them and tells them, you must fulfill your promise. Failure to which your sin will find you out. So Moses tells them, don't think that there is such a thing as inconsequential sin. Don't think that sin is inconsequential. Sin always comes back to collect. And sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you're willing to stay. And sin will make you spend more than you're willing to pay. Sin will always collect. There is no such thing as inconsequential sin. And in the second episode, we looked at the life of Reuben, and we saw how Reuben slept with his father's concubine, and he seemed to get away with it, and his life seemed to be going on pretty well. But then at his father's deathbed, Reuben discovers that, no, he's the one to lose. So we want to look at the life of Moses today, because Moses was a man of sin as well. Just like you and I, Moses was fallen, he was a sinner. But specifically, I want to look at Moses' anger. And, now I'm, and we're going to read a few portions of scripture so that you can understand how Moses' anger came to collect many years later. This is what the Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter 2. One day after Moses had grown up, he went to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses, out of out of a feeling of seeing, out of a feeling of anger towards the injustice of his people, uh, killed someone. And we know that uh, murder is motivated by anger. We see that with Cain and Abel, Cain's face was fallen. And we see that in the words of Jesus, where he says, you have heard that it was said, do not murder. But I say unto you, if anyone is angry with his brother, so murder and anger are related. And so it is in this case that Moses' anger led him to kill someone. He, he was angry at the oppression and colonization of his people. And the Bible says, the next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong. Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Then look at what verse 14 says. The man said, who made you ruler and judge of us? 
are you thinking of killing me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Mm -hmm. So Moses thought that the killing of the Egyptian and burying him in the sand was, <laughs> was something that was not seen, not heard, not known. But apparently somebody must have seen him. Somebody must have noticed. And what did Moses do? We're told in verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. So Moses flees and Moses um, goes on to live his own life in the desert. And as you know, Moses begins to um, have encounters with God. And God begins to speak to him concerning what he needs to do. And God speaks to him concerning how he's going to deliver his people. And Moses does that. And Moses brings the people out of Egypt when God saves them with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand. And he comes into the desert. And now Moses has, has, has delivered the people of Israel. Now you to listen to what the Bible says much, much later in Numbers chapter 20. We're told from verse 1, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died where our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness? That we and our livestock should die here. So just imagine the attitude of the Israelites. These people have, by the way, these people have seen miracles. They have seen 10 plagues in Egypt and they've been protected from them. They have seen death occur. They've been protected from it. They have seen the Red Sea split into two walls and they've crossed into dry, through dry ground to the other side. They have seen Pharaoh's army defeated. They have seen manna come from heaven. They have seen bitter waters at Mara turn sweet. They have seen God fight for them. They have seen, they, they've seen so much. They have seen the goodness of God. And yet they have the nerve, the gumption. <laughs> they have the audacity to still speak like this to Moses. So, in, so ungrateful, so disrespectful, so dishonorable. You can see what's happening in the background. You can, almost, you, you can almost see Moses get so angry. You can almost see his temperature boiling. And then they go on to say, why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates where there's no water to drink. Such an entitled people. The Bible says in verse 6, <clears throat> Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of God appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so they and their livestock can drink. All right? So God specifically says, speak to the rock. You need to understand, in a previous time, God says, strike the rock. And previously, the Lord had Moses strike the rock, and the rock brought water. But now, he doesn't say strike the rock. He says, Speak to the rock. Note the command of God. Speak to the rock. 
And the Bible says, So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? You can already see the tone of Moses. He's not a friendly tone. He's angry. He's upset. He's, <laughs> he's had it. He said, listen, you rebels. These are God's people. He calls them rebels. Well, they are rebels. But you can see from his tone, he's upset. Must we bring you water out of the rock? Now, now he he comes, he, he points back to himself, must we? He's frustrated at all the work he's done for them. And the Bible says, then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. He struck the rock twice. You know, when he struck the rock once, he should have remembered, uh-oh, I meant to have spoken the rock. Then perhaps the second time, speak to it. But he struck it twice, going vehemently, directly against the command of the Lord. And the Bible says water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Hmm. So Moses must have known there was water in that rock. Okay? And... The Lord had said to him, the water will give the, the rock will give you its water, meaning um, God must have sovereignly known that there was water in that rock. But Moses uh, went ahead and got that water out his own way, not God's way. And even that striking, it's an expression of anger. And many times when people are angry, they strike, they hit, they, they've got some physical expression, altercation. And it's, uh, the Bible says water gushed out in the community of the livestock drunk. Verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. Oh my goodness. Now God says, listen, I gave you a command to talk, but you went ahead in your own wisdom and you struck it. And because of that, there are a number of violations here. One, you didn't trust in me. You didn't trust in me enough. Secondly, you didn't honor me. You dishonored me as holy in the set of the Israelites. You, you downplayed my holiness. By doing what you did, it seemed as if, and, and, and I believe God's holiness was downplayed because when Moses struck the rock, people must have thought, hmm, uh, rocks in this desert have water. So what Moses has done is really a Moses thing. The glory went to Moses, you know. Moses seems to understand the desert really well. In fact, he was a shepherd for 40 years in the, you know, with, with the priest of Midian, you know. And so he knows desert rocks pretty well. And so this is Moses's knowledge of the desert. I think the glory must have gone to Moses. You see, if he spoke to the rock and the rock brought forth the water, you see, it would have been a miracle. And the glory wouldn't have been Moses and his desert experience. The glory would have been God's. And you see, what Moses does not understand is that he took God's glory. And because he took God's glory, he downplayed the holiness of God. He downplayed the sovereignty of God. Because if people saw Moses speak to the rock and the water came out, there is a fear of God that would have entered the Israelites. There is a reverence for God. Their complaining would have been exacerbated, would, would not have been exacerbated. They would have been silent. And the Bible says these were the waters of Meribah. Excuse me. <clears throat> where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he proved holy, was proved holy among them. Look at that. They quarreled with the Lord. This is why the children of Israel are, 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 you know, this is why the children of Israel 
you know, dishonor the Lord because Moses did not honor the Lord. So, guys, <clears throat> Moses is denied entry to the promised land. Why? Because of his temper tantrums. Your sin will find you out. That character of Moses, when he was 40 years old, is coming to pay him when he's 80 years old. A character issue at the age of 40 is affecting his destiny at the age of 80. And guys, look at what Moses suffered. Look at what Moses experienced. He lost. After all that work, he did not enter the promised land. I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 3, when Moses accounts the story. From verse 21, Deuteronomy 3 says, verse 21, At that time I commanded Joshua, you have seen with your own eyes all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms over there where you're going. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. And then verse 23, At that time I pleaded with the Lord, Sovereign Lord, you have begun to show to your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven and on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country and Lebanon. But because of what, because of you, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. That is enough, the Lord said. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Look at God's response. God is so upset with Moses. When Moses tries to plead, Lord, please just change your mind. Allow me to just go into the promised land. God says, no, enough. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. So it seems as if Moses had been talking to God over and over. Please, please let me go. Please let me go. But now God has put his foot down. Look at how your sin finds you out. Look at how your sin comes to collect. And the Bible says in verse 27, go to the top of Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes since you are not going to cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead his people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. So he stayed in the, so he stayed in the valley near Beth Peor. Friends, Moses would only be allowed to see the land from a distance. He would not be allowed to get in. And because of where he went to the top of the Mount Pisgah, many people describe Pisgah as a condition where your sin brings you so close, but never quite through, where you have near breakthroughs, where you are, you 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 always come close to breakthrough. You know, you you get failure at the edge of breakthrough, pisca, and that's what sin does. Sin brings delay. Sin brings failure at the edge of breakthrough. And most of this sin is not sin that occurred randomly in a weak situation, in a moment of weakness. This is sin that was tolerated, sin that was ignored, sin that was treated badly. Moses should have dealt with this matter concerning killing the Egyptian a long time ago. He should have addressed his anger problems. He should have confronted this character issue. He should have allowed the Lord to work on him. He should have talked to the Lord about it. He should have asked for forgiveness. We don't see Moses repent concerning killing the Egyptian. Maybe he did, but the scriptures do not indicate that he did. But we need to understand that our sin must be dealt with. We must repent of it. We must stay away from it. Otherwise, God will raise a Joshua to do what Moses ought to have done. Your sin will find you out. And Joshua is a derivative of the name Jesus, and Moses represents the law. And this also just shows you that the law, Moses, 
could not get into the promised land, and we cannot enter the promised land of heaven by keeping the law. The one who brought the children of Israel into the promised land, the sinful, rebellious children of Israel, was Joshua. It is Jesus. It is Jesus, an archetype of Joshua, who brings sinners into God's kingdom. Keeping of the law cannot. So please understand that even as we, are, as we know that our sin will find us out, it is not the keeping of the law that will keep us there. It is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ that we'll be enabled to keep the law because Joshua did not discard the law of Moses. In fact, if anything, he upheld it. Just like Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but in fact, he came to fulfill it and to uphold it. Would you put your trust in him today? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network. And for more great podcasts that will build your faith, please head over to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app, or you can search for the Google or the Apple, or you can search for the app on the Google or the Apple Play Store. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.